Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I really feel like what's missing from whatever I'm delivering on stage is just a little bit of an accompaniment. We should get some symbols or something, Maureen. We should get something. <laughs> I feel... I've got bells. What? How am I... That's ridiculous. You are really prepared, Alison. <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utter bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women, the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, more younger and the dashing kind charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. Hey Alison, Jen and I gigged together last night. Oh did you? Where were you? At the retro bar. Oh. Works in progress. Now tell me this, when you guys did your work in progress yesterday, did anyone ask? When is WTB coming back? When yes. is WTB? Because this yeah. is it. We're back now. We're back. We are back finally. I mean Come on. It's been ages. No, we did ask. And there were quite a few WTB listeners in the room, actually. Three. There were three. Yeah. There were three. Oh, all right, Jen. That's quite a few. That's... That was 10% of the audience. Actually, it was. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there's quite a few. Thank you, Jen. We have to explain because we did finish the last season uh, very, very quickly. Abruptly. Uh, abruptly yeah. is the right word. Yeah. Uh, we just ended. and it... <laughs> We didn't really say anything. And we didn't mention why. And so we're going to let you know. The reason is that one Sunday, my mother died. And then the next day... <sighs> my mother died. So... I know. Look. And then I flew to Canada and saw mine. Uh, that is yeah. exactly what happened. But yours is still alive, so... Yeah, mine's still there. So I was, yeah. like, immediately on a plane. We're very grateful that Alison's mum is still with us. Yes, yeah, so that is what happened. And, you know, believe it or not, we didn't really feel like doing a podcast after that. I mean, it, it, can I just say, it is weird that, you know, my mum dies and then Jen's mum dies the next day. I mean, I think we are taking our friendship a bit too far in that respect. Yeah. Look, I was away that weekend. And by the way, before we go any further, I would like to say to people listening to this podcast that we will be talking about bereavement mm. in this podcast. Now, yeah. if you have recently had a bereavement or if you're feeling very sensitive, this might not be for you. And I, we totally understand. Maybe skip Absolutely. this episode. Yeah. But Maureen and I are going tits deep in gallows humour for this particular episode. I don't want that in any way for people to think that I don't 
love my mother, but this yeah. is my way of, this is very cathartic. and it's Part of the process, everyone. This is part of part the process. Part of the process, exactly. Yes. So we are going to be talking about that. Basically, all right, <laughs> if we're going to do this, let's just do this. Okay. I'm away. I'm gigging. I think I'm in Northampton. I'm doing the Guilty Feminist, actually. And uh, I get a text message from Maureen and she says, my mum's died. And I am immediately call Maureen back. As soon as I see this text, I call her straight away and I'm like, oh my God, Maureen, I'm so sorry to hear about your mum. And she's like, yeah, I, I just found out, blah, blah, blah. Not blah, 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 Maureen. I'm not trying to be reductive <laughs> about the fact that your mother died. <laughs> yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. There's a punchline coming, so you know what it's like. Um, no, but um, and I, it was such a shock to read that. And I spoke to Maureen, and you, you said, Maureen, you know, that you, you hadn't processed it at that point. Is that mm. fair to say? And I just, it was really hard for Maureen to get her head around that information. You know, as Maureen's friend, I was like, wow, this is just awful. I said, you know, take some time, process, and we'll talk about it. I'm here for you whenever you want, okay? I'm coming back to Brighton, and on the train back, I realise that my mother has died. It's not I realise, but it's become evident to me that she's dead. Well, she, she's gone to hospital, but she, hadn't, she died at that point, had she? she? No, she hadn't died at that point, but it was pretty clear that she was going to die. So I text Maureen and I say, I think my mum's died or dead. I was at that point, I didn't know what had gone on. Maureen phones me. She phones me straight away as the good friend that she is. And she says, you couldn't have given me 24 hours, could you? <laughs> you couldn't give me a day before you made it about yourself. And I know how that sounds. But honestly, even in the midst of my grief, that made me laugh out loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling. Oh dear. Do you know, I've told people that what I said and they have all gone. You didn't say that, did you? Like I said, no, Jen found it funny. <laughs> Do you know what? It was almost the perfect thing to say at that point because I was stuck on a train and I couldn't get to Brighton and it was taking me for ages and I was like it was the most interminably long stretch. I was getting very stressed and very frustrated. And then Maureen phoned up and said that. So I went from like crying to like absolutely laughing my head off. I mean, the people on the train thought I was having a breakdown, which, <laughs> let's be honest, I was. <laughs> yeah. I just looked like some sort of manic, mad person going... Because <laughs> also you were beating yourself up because Jen had taken a later train and then you were like, I should have taken an earlier train. I should." Have... You always know this in hindsight, but, you know, if you went around living your life going, I better take the earlier train just in case my mum collapses, you'd be a weirdo, wouldn't you? It was just... Yeah, and I wanted a coffee, you know? <laughs> I thought I'll get the train that's 15 minutes later. And then of course the train slowed down. So yeah, it was quite funny because I I have told people what I've said and they've just gone. They've been absolutely horrified. But I think it's also a comedian's thing, isn't it? I don't. If you agree, Alison, I think that it kind is. Of, I think. Oh, I think yeah. comedians deal with these sort of things very differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So that was why we had a break. Yes. So we're sorry to one and all that we were unable to complete the last series. We do hope that we, you know, have your understanding as to why that happened. Mm. We probably will be referencing our mum's death for quite a bit. Listen, it's, you know, it's not one of those subjects that will just pop up once. <laughs> and, it, you know, it has been quite a trying couple of months, but also we are aware that we're providing you with some entertainment, so we're going <laughs> to bloody well try to do that as well. <laughs> Don't think this is going to be a depressing podcast. This is, I mean, if you've come here for the upbeat, 
you know, help me out, kids, because I'm I'm doing this alone here. But you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. I mean, that's why I let you go. Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you. Look. Here at WTB, we talk about all sorts of things, and uh, I hope I hope that maybe there's some people out there that like can connect with this, and this is a good thing, you know that 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 you know this is. I still can't believe it happened a day within each other. Like it, that is weird. That, that is, is really weird. Really bizarre. It was like the universe was like, oh well, we're not going to let either one of them go through this alone. Here we go. There you go, you two. So I mean, they never met in real life. I mean, in real life, that would have been quite a meetup. Um, my mum and your mum. I mean, I don't know what would have happened there. I don't know. I think there might have been a fight. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure who would have won, to be honest. I don't know. Jury's out, to be honest. Um, But... Yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very odd thing to lose a parent, and I think what is interesting when you lose a parent, particularly, at, um, I mean, I can only obviously speak from my experience at forty-seven. It's such a bizarre thing because you are an adult. I've been an adult for a long time, and you think, oh well, <laughs> you'll deal with it in a different way because you've you're, you've got your own separate life, and you know, you, as much as you love your parents, you don't need them in the same way that you lo- you know you needed your parents when you were a child. And I think obviously a bereavement when you were a child is very different uh, than as an adult. But I was blindsided when it happened. Like it was completely unexpected for me. And also because it was unexpected. I mean, she just had a bleed in her brain and dropped dead. Well, didn't drop dead, but was brain dead. And then died like literally 24 hours later. It's such a bizarre sort of thing to get your head around. It's like an existential crisis that you're having where you're like, oh, I am never going to see that person again. It's. But I think we spend all our lives in denial of death, at least in this culture. Oh, in this culture, 100%. So we deny that death happens. And I think also, and because, you know, Jen was distraught. And I was saying to Jen, the thing is, you know, you just have to be upset because in this culture, we try and not be upset. We try and be happy. We try and find reasons. We try and find things. But when you know you're grieving for a parent, You've got to be upset and that's part of the grieving process and you can't get out of that. You will feel guilty and you will feel bad about stuff and, you know, that's all part of it and you can't do away with it. And I think in our culture, we we try and do away with the bad stuff, you know, because we're always meant to be happy and you just can't be sometimes, you know. You, you can't. And also the whole thing with when you go through grief is when it first happens, you know, and I don't know what other people's experiences of grief are, but for me, when it first happened, I shut down completely. Or at least I did. I completely emotionally became numb. So for the first, I would say, really up until my my mother's funeral, which was quite a while afterwards. I don't know why it took so bloody long, but it just took ages. I didn't really cry and I didn't really... It's not that I didn't feel sad. I felt sad all the time, but I just couldn't cry. And I genuinely thought that I would be wailing and I would be like, you know, keening into the abyss. But I was just sitting in the corner of just waiting to cry and not being able to cry and it was such a bizarre and now like post-funeral like you know I cry a lot more and it's it's so much easier and better because you feel like you've got like a a plug you know that something's desperate to get out but it just won't it won't come it's like I don't know a tricky poo but actually worse than that (laughs) but Um, I I think after the funeral you're often um I'm sorry. Can we just take one second? It's like a tricky poo. I really relate to that. I really, I think you're bringing in a lot of people when you relate to it. It's yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's got to come out. And it's it's actually, it can hurt. But when it's out, you feel so much better. I think often though, but up to the funeral, because you're so busy doing stuff, 
it's like a lot of admin, isn't there? So that yeah. kind of keeps you busy. People are ringing. And then once the funeral happens, I think for most people, apart from the people that it really affects, it's all done and dusted. That's the funeral over. You know, they're not going to ring you anymore. You've got no admin. So you've got the time to basically, it hits you more, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah definitely. And also, when somebody dies, this is what I've realised, is that you're not immediately grief-stricken in that moment, that moment that they die, because, one, you can't process it. It just doesn't make any sense. You're like, OK, they're dead. Right. What? But also, to begin with, it's like, OK, well, it's only been three days since I've seen her. Yeah. Three weeks. Three months. Yeah. yeah three yeah. years. And that's when I think it's going to be hard for me because... <laughs> It's still only be two months. And I think in six months, I'll be like, wow, this is actually very hard. I haven't seen her for six months. And I think that's what I didn't realise is that certainly for me, I think it might be harder, you know, and eventually it will get easier. I'm sure it will. Of course it will. But this first year, I think it's going to be a real kick in the tits. But yeah. And also the other thing that you realise when you're going through your grief is that it's actually quite a lonely thing because even if, you know, like my brothers, they're grieving the death of, you know, our mum as well. We're doing it alone. You know, we're not even grieving in the same way. We didn't have the same relationship with her. And so, yeah, that's been quite interesting to see that you're like, ultimately, it's really lovely that you get the support from friends. In particular, my friends have been amazing, but ultimately grief is, is a very solitary thing because you're, you're left alone with it. And, and, and also sometimes as much as you want to talk about it, you want to not talk about it. Mm. So it's like it's trying to create a balance. And obviously my instinct is to go, well, let's just not talk about it, which is a terrible instinct. So I'm having to try to allow myself to talk about it. And including my mum in my show is one of the reasons why I've done that, so that I do talk about it, because otherwise my instinct would be to just, you know, bury it and uh, <laughs> just carry on as, as normal. Because, you know, when you're functioning on a day-to-day basis, you know, I've got young kids, I've got a job that's quite all-consuming, takes up a huge amount of my time, I'm travelling a lot. You can actually get away day-to-day not really ever acknowledging your grief. And I, I'm actually now having to make myself grieve, which sounds bonkers, I know, but... Is, is true. If you don't do it now, you, it's going to come out later on and worse. Well, exactly. And also, it comes out when it comes out anyway. I have no control over when these tears come. You know, we, I did a, uh, the work in progress last night and I've, I've done several works in progress where I've talked about my mum and I've been absolutely fine. And I've talked about my mum on stage loads since she died. But last night, probably because it was such a lovely audience, it just completely just came. I just... No one wants to see a show and watch a lesbian cry. I mean, that's not... Nobody needs that. But um, I, I beg to differ. I think there's a whole market out there that would probably pay a lot of money for that. Yeah, but are those the people I want at my show, Alison? That's the thing. <laughs> no! <laughs> you, know, you know what my thing is, is watching lesbians cry. All right, Alison, get out. Uh, you'll be pleased to know there's a, a B-more Maureen. There were two B-more Maureen moments came out of all this. Well, you know, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say. Oh, oh, my God. I can't wait to hear. Did you fall in the grave? Did you fall in the grave, Maureen? This whoa, is whoa, whoa. Alison, please don't anticipate. <laughs> the don't anticipate Maureen. what happened, Alison. <laughs> okay. And don't underestimate me. Before we go any further, because remember, kids, we've got a sting. It's time, isn't it, Maureen? God only knows. I mean, we're really entering into the gallows humour of it's time for... <laughs> 
it's it's time for more it's moment isn't it <laughs> i'd managed to block myself as a spam sender <laughs> i chose my own number and my own contact to block <laughs> Oh my god, boring. I don't I'm, I mean I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Well, there's two at both funerals. So bear in mind I went to two funerals within seven days. I'm gonna do the mini one first. This was at Jen's mother's funeral, which was a lovely funeral. She's such a good friend. Yes, I delayed my holiday for Miss Brister and it was worth it. I did like your mother, and your mother liked me, thank God, because I would not like to be in your mother's bad books. She loved you, boring. It was a beautiful eulogy, which was done by Jen. And then after she did this beautiful eulogy, we had to put flowers on the coffin. And I was sitting next to Chloe, Jen's girlfriend's parents. So I put a flower and then I had to go past them, obviously, to sit back in my row. <laughs> my special awareness isn't great. Instead of sitting next to <laughs> Chloe's mum, I actually sat on her lap. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I need to... Maureen told me this, like, at the wake. Luckily, Jen didn't see it. She said, yeah, I sat on... And she's like, I was like, oh my god! I said she's got osteoporosis, Maureen. I mean, you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna snap the woman in two. She's so, she's a very slender woman. Yeah, very. <laughs> she went, how did you do that? And I went, well, I misjudged. And anyway, uh, not... <laughs> you really did misjudge. I mean, I, I don't understand how you sat on her. Yeah, I went to sit down and I just ended up sitting on her lap. Anyway, it was. It's fine. Anyway, the next one is at my mum's funeral. So we're walking behind the coffin, as you do. And I don't know about you, I'm looking at the gravestones as we go past. I'm looking at the gravestones. I don't know about you. I mean, this is hilarious. This is hilarious. I don't know about you, but I'm having a little look around. I'm taking in the ambience. I like to see what's happening next door. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at this gravestone. Well, you know, but you've got to do something, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Keep yourself occupied at your mum's funeral. Absolutely boring. Off you Keep go. yourself occupied. <laughs> So anyway, I'm looking around the gravestones and I see Magister, right, which is an academic term only used in Austria. So as we've established, I'm a big Austriophile. So I oh, must be Austrian. So I look at his name. It's a Polish name. I'm like, all oh, right, maybe he was from Galicia or something. I mean, Polish names in Austria isn't unusual. So I see, all oh, 1903, Austrian Empire. So I'm, I'm trying to look to see where he was born because I find this quite exciting. Of course, what I don't realise is the funeral procession has stopped because they're burying my mum next to this guy. So I keep on walking because my head... I'm looking behind me. <laughs> and so I did almost fall into the grave, but not quite. I mean, that would have been, for me... Hilarious, wouldn't it? I mean, that, to me, it was such a classic when Maureen went, well, I, and I did nearly fall into my mum's grave because I was checking out a gravestone on the other side. I was like, are you? Yeah. This is absolutely... Of course you nearly did, Maureen. And of course you got distracted. She went, are you a real person? I don't think you're a real person. To be fair, I wouldn't have fallen in the grave because my mother's coffin was on the top of it, so I would have just fallen in. You've just fallen on top of a coffin, yeah. I probably then knocked it in. <laughs> My brother would have gone mental. So, yeah, when you said almost fall, I did almost. I mean, I didn't fall in the grave, but I no. just kind of... Yeah, you nearly face-planted. Luckily, there was a bit of carpet which tripped, tripped me up and I kind of... Slightly like, oh missed God. it, yeah. I don't know why I envisioned that so clearly, but I was like, <laughs> did you did you fall in the grave? I Alison, could see... Yeah. You anticipated what actually nearly happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in my defence, it was Austrian. It was Austrian. If it wouldn't been Austrian, I wouldn't have paid that much attention. <laughs> I mean, that means nothing to anyone listening to the... Look, of course it does, because we know that you love Austria, but also it doesn't. But it does, but it does. Like with all of your Be More Maureen mm -hmm. moments, Maureen, it does, but it doesn't, yeah? Well, 
Maureen, it's great that we managed to create a theme. We're really sticking to a theme with this particular episode of death and funerals. And you didn't disappoint. As always, Maureen, thank you very much. Alison June Smith, missed your face. Missed yours, both of you. Yeah. And this segment in particular. So I think we're just going to head over to you because it's time to ask Alison. Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice. I ain't using it. Oh, well, listen, first off, thank you, as always, everyone who writes in, who has shared your personal problems with me. I'm very grateful. This one we're going to do today actually was one that I was going to do. This is ironically before both moms uh, this occurred because I lost a friend not that I mean to like jump on the bandwagon but I had lost a friend who had taken his life and so I wanted to write a thing about grieving and then we just thought this is perfect so today we're just going to do a little Ask Allison about grieving now as always I just want to remind you I am not a trained therapist I know you're shocked by that but I am not professionally <laughs> trained <laughs> I just like people and I like learning about things and problems and I just feel the more we share and the more we talk about things the more we grow and develop as people so today we're going to talk a little bit about grieving we already have touched base obviously grieving intense sorrow especially caused by someone's death but I wanted to bring this up because grieving isn't just about death okay it's about loss Grieving is about loss. And so there are a lot of other things that can like trigger grief and trigger those emotions of loss, right? Ending relationships, divorce, job loss, chronic illness. Look, immigration was on the list. People having to leave due to to, to various problems. Catastrophic injury, any sort of traumatic event, unfulfilled uh, dreams, plans, fundamental limitations, shifts to our daily lives like COVID. Look, there's a lot of things that can trigger grief. So I just wanted to put that out there because there might be someone who is grieving over the loss of something. And this is for you, too. Um, So I read this quote and I really like this. The grieving process isn't only about mourning the loss, but getting to know yourself as a different person. Because you change a lot, right? We have a script. We have this idea. We have a book. We have our plan of our life. And when we lose someone or when something changes, it forces us to redesign the script, to relook at the book, to replan what we thought it was going to be. And so I just want you to realize that, okay? So it's, it's a lot about reflecting on who we are once we lose this person or this thing. There's stages in grief, they say. And I'll go through the stages, but I... There's no real correct way to grieve. This is the one thing I want people to understand. Everyone is different. Everyone is going to go a different way. The five main stages of grief, they say at this point, they, scientists, therapists, is um, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, again, they say it's in this order, but It can happen in any order. It can happen. Different things can come in at different times. Grief isn't just profound sadness. It's an array of conflicting emotions. Sometimes grief is physical. Sometimes it's mental. Sometimes it's psychological. And sometimes it's emotional. 
It's anger, it's emptiness, it's pain, it's frustration, regret, and physical grief can show up as fatigue, nausea, chest pain, and headaches, which is why it is so important to talk about and to get it out. Because if you leave it in and you don't try to talk about it or try to express it, it can physically do you harm. And when you're trying to heal, that's the last thing you need is to be struck down physically as well as emotionally. When you're starting to deal with loss, please don't set a time limit, okay? I think people go, you know, six months or, you know, a year or there is no time limit. This is something that kind of you're going to learn to live with, all right? So there's no point in which it's going to be done. And I don't ever want you to punish yourself if you feel like, ah, why can I not, you know, move on? Or when does it? Look, there is no timeline. So accept that as well, okay? We all grieve differently, which can often sometimes cause strain between family and friends as well. So I just wanted to bring that up because sometimes when someone's gone or when things changes, it affects a lot of people in a different way. And so I think sometimes there can be a lot of family issues that arise and, and people grieving and mourning loss. Or So be gentle with those around you and realize that they're on their own grieving process as well. And there is no way to understand how or what people are feeling around you. I think that's a big thing because I think sometimes family, although they're there to love and support, sometimes it can get tricky and sometimes people can't always be that that you need. So I just wanted to bring that up. Jen had talked about this before in a way in that like it's hard to just start grieving, but make time to do it. Even if you're not like, oh, I'm going to set aside two hours and cry. No, you just need to give yourself time. And, and Jen, I was really proud of you because when things happen and Maureen, you as well, you both kind of cleared your schedules, and I think that's really smart because even if you didn't feel like things were going to hit you, you just need to give yourself some time and some space. So that's the first thing I want you to remember is give yourself the time you need, and who cares how long that takes, okay? Time is essential. You can't push it down. You can't force it out. So just constantly give yourself some time. The more you can speak about it, I don't want to say the easier it'll become, but you're at least getting it out. And that's really important. So the more you can talk about it, um, it doesn't have to be to everyone. <laughs> it doesn't have to be all the time and all about your grief. But if you hide your grief, like I said, your body and your spirit and everything, you'll really start to feel that. And that's not going to help anyone, yourself and those that you love around you. I think it's very good to communicate what you need and what you do not need to people. Often when you're going through this loss, people don't know what to do for you. And it's okay to want to be alone. And it's okay to maybe want people. If you can communicate what it is the most that you're needing, people will do that for you. People can't be mind readers. And also it's a good way for you to start getting out your emotions by communicating what you do and don't need. Let those around you try to support you with what you're comfortable with. Okay, I, I like this. Look, people are going to bring you food. I don't know what it is when you're grieving. People are just like, here's that casserole. And you know what? It's okay to throw it away. Throw the fucking food away, everyone. It's okay. Don't feel guilt. People are bringing you food. That's all they know how to do, some people. So you know what? Throw the food away. It's okay. And feel no regrets about doing that. Okay? Know that, that it's more of a symbol of love. It's not about the damn food. So you can throw that food away. Please remember to like... Cuddle with someone or hold someone's hand. Physical touch during these times is really important. Just remembering you're not alone and just a cat, do you have a pet? Some sort of physical stimulation during these times can really, really help. 
Another thing that I really want to encourage is make some sort of a routine. Sometimes when you're really lost, even if it's just, I will get up in the morning and I will brush my teeth. If that's all the routine that you can do in a day, that's fine. But give yourself some sort of a routine so you have certain points in the day that you're aiming for. No matter how little they are, just when you're in that point of the initial loss, that, that can really help. And I think it'll get easier to build more of a routine as time goes on. Another great quote that I read that I really loved is, you don't get over it. You never get over it. You just get used to it. So that's something to remember is that you're never going to move on from this. It's always going to be there. It's just you learn more how to live with those feelings. Okay, so it never goes away. You just get used to it. In terms of like things that you can do for yourselves, look. I want you to make time for yourself and care for yourself as much as possible. You know the number one thing I'm going to say to you is, Try to talk to somebody or a group or something about loss, bereavement counseling. Sometimes just being around other people that are going through that same similar thing can provide some comfort, even if it's not direct, just knowing you're not alone. Um, There's so many great books out there. I know Maureen is a reader. Do you know, there's a great scene in Bridgerton too, which deals with grief, where the mother talks about the death of the husband. I don't know if you remember that, Jen. Yeah, I think we've talked about it, haven't we? There's actually two great scenes, and one when she just can't do anything. She says, again, out of bed is just, like, a big deal for me. And then afterwards, when she goes, you know, I would go through that all again, because the flip side of grief is that you loved somebody. That's what it is. It's it's a testament to your love, and it's like light and shade. It's like everything in life. You can't have one without the other. So, you know, yeah. your grief, Jen, is a testament to how much you loved your mother, even though you both drove each other up the wall at times. Oh, you yeah. both loved each other incredibly, and that was, you know... And Jen's eulogy was brilliant because you talked about her mum and she was very honest. She goes, you know, I loved her. We had arguments. The reason is really we were both incredibly the same, <laughs> same yeah. women. I said she's yeah. a very dogmatic, uh, confrontational and aggressive woman and I am a very dogmatic, confrontational <laughs> and aggressive woman. So. It was a brilliant eulogy, but it was true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you said there um, about about grief. Alison, I'm sorry, I think we've interrupted you. Sorry, you haven't finished, have you? No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. I was just giving some ideas of places that people could go to find some support. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, do carry on. And the last thing I just want to say is, look, there's lots of podcasts that talk about this sort of thing, too. Yeah. Podcasts are such a good source of like just to have it on while you're going through things in your day. Just like you said, like Maureen was bringing up that scene in a movie. Look, anything that is discussing these feelings, there might be something somebody says that just provides you with a little bit of some insight into what you're going through. So, yeah, books, podcast group therapy, uh, other people. Jen, I remember I t- when I spoke to you early on, I had said, do you have anyone in your world that has gone through this as well? Because sometimes just talking to people who have have also experienced that sort of loss is really is really key. But yeah, th- those are my main things. Yeah. Jen, go on with what you're going to say. Thank I you, don't want to cut you guys off. Yeah, no, I yeah. just think your advice is great. What you were saying about not getting over grief, and I think that's something that I think if you haven't gone through a loss or a big loss, that there is that sort of idea that you go, oh, well, you'll get over it. But you don't. You don't ever get over it. 
You never stop grieving. Once you're grieving, you're grieving forever. Now, the bouts of grief might lessen or they might feel less painful. You might not find yourself crying on the tube every other day, but that grief remains. And all you're learning to do is live alongside your grief. And I tell you what, it's been really useful for me. You were talking about podcasts and books and stuff, but I have been listening to Carrie Ad Lloyd's Griefcast and, oh my God, it has been a godsend for me. And I've picked up so many interesting not tip, but uh, insights into grief from people who've been grieving for a lot longer or who've had bigger grief, who've lost more than one person, and it's particularly in a short space of time. And I think you learn to live alongside your grief. And what you learn to do is know that if you don't let your grief out, like Maureen said, it will just come. It comes. It's not. It's a physical response. It will happen. You can't bury it forever. But also if you, and this is what I'm trying to do, if you confront your grief, if you deal with it, then those feelings of grief that come up, that bubble up to the surface, it's not like, oh my God, what is that? What is that? That's come out of nowhere. I don't know what that is. That's like, oh, I know what that is. And I know how to deal with that. And I know how to <clears throat> get through this. But if you deny that, then when it comes up, you're like, what is that? Where's that come from? Well, I don't know what that is. And you can't deal with it. So as painful as it is, and God almighty, it is painful. Deal with it now, straight away. And then later on, you're not going to be in the middle of, I don't know, a gig in wherever, crying your eyes out about a bit that's got nothing to do with your person that you've lost. You know, people are like, yeah. what, what is her problem? You're like, I don't even know why I'm crying. Um, yeah. So... I think confronting it is really, really, oh, God. I mean, I would rather do anything other than deal with the reality. You know, I'd rather, like, drink two bottles of red wine and watch a crap film on Netflix. But you, it, to you've be got fair, to. we'd rather do that anyway, yeah, I mean, no matter what. Anyway, this, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was really great advice. Thank you so much, Alison, for your wonderful insight once again. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
not surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to point It's called out. being professional, Alison. <laughs> and now, I think it's time to lighten the bloody mood of this podcast, for Christ's sake. Can we talk about what we have been watching on television? Well, actually, I'm not going to talk about what I've been watching, but... Um, <laughs> Who I've been watching. But talking about a film with the subject in mind, which is a brilliant film, deals with grief in a very funny way, very British way, truly, madly, deeply. Oh, my God. With Juliet Stevenson and Alan Rickman. Have you seen it, Alison? I feel like I watched it ages ago. There's a lot of snot in it and tears. But it's a brilliant film and it deals with grief. Fantastic. So Juliet Stevenson, her lover, Alan Rickman, has died very suddenly from a throat operation. Bill Patterson being very Scottish goes, you should have just taken a strepsil. I thought that is Scottish empathy for you. Um, <laughs> and she's absolutely distraught. She can't live without him. And then he comes back in her life. As a ghost. As a ghost. And it's how she deals with it and how she actually eventually... Says goodbye, yeah. ...lets him go and to get, and how she moves on. But it's very British. It's very, very funny. It's such a beautiful film. I haven't seen it since it came out in the... Was it the 90s? Would it be a 90s? 1990 it came out. So if you haven't seen it, I'm sure you can get it from whatever. I think there's one of the streaming channels. You can definitely get it. And it, and it is it is a really great film. I mean, I haven't seen it for 100 years, but it is really good. And I think it just deals with grief. When, you know, somebody dies, you do tend to kind of idolise them. And then, of course, when he's actually back in her life, she realises there were little things that obviously... <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, when you break up with somebody sometimes or you have a relationship with somebody and then you break up, you think, oh, God, I really should have stayed with them. And then you meet them again and you're like, actually, there's a reason why we're not together. <laughs> There's a reason I got rid of that villain. So, yes, carrying on with the theme, that's a very great film to have a look at. Maureen, that's a good recommendation. In the interim of uh, however many weeks it's been since we've done WTB, I mean, I've watched a lot of stuff. Um, (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. But I'm going to talk about one particular show that I've really enjoyed, and it was Maureen's recommendation. Um, Maureen's seen it, and I don't know if she enjoyed it as much as I did. It's Slow Horses, and it's on Apple TV, and it stars Gary Oldman, and it's written by Will Smith. Oh, Will Smith. Do you remember Will Smith? He was hilarious. Okay, so Will Smith is a fantastic writer. He's written lots of novels as well. Check him out. He's brilliant. And we're not talking about DJ Jazzy Jeff and the no. Fresh Prince. Yeah. No, sorry. I w- it needs to be clear. <laughs> if you met Will Smith, he couldn't be less like that Will Smith. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that used to be one of his big jokes, wasn't it? Because he's a very posh English he guy. He used to do stand-up comedy. He stopped. Not because he wasn't good. He was always brilliant. He was brilliant. I always thought he was hilarious. Anyway, he's quite tall. Very posh. He sort of had like curtains, didn't he? Yeah. Like that sort of, you know, he was great. Very funny. He went on to write on The Thick of It, Veep. And, you know, he's, he's worked with Amando Inucci a lot. And now this is his show. It's Slow Horses. And it's about MI5. Now, I really enjoyed it. I thought the lead guy was in there. I can't remember the guy's name. The young guy. He was brilliant. Jack Loudon. Yeah, that's it. Jack Loudon. He's fantastic in it. That opening scene is amazing. The opening scene is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got Olivia Cook, Jack Loudon, Gary Oldman, Kristen Scott Thomas, Saskia Reeves, Jonathan Price has a brilliant cameo in it. Anyway, it's about 
MI5, ostensibly. And the slow horses is the part of MI5 where they stick all the people that they're like, either they want to get rid of them because they're a problem or they've screwed up or they're just incompetent. And so they stick them in Slough House, which is not actually in Slough, it's in central London, but they stick them in. And Gary Oldman heads up this team of spies. Now, Gary Oldman's character in it is absolutely repulsive. Yeah, yeah. He's so disgusting in it. He's enjoying himself. Oh, he's so good in it. Honestly, it's one of the best things I've ever seen him in. And he's really, you can tell, having a great time playing this character. So you've got this young man, something happens to him as a spy. He's chucked into Slough House, but he's very ambitious. His grandfather was a very senior spy within MI5. And he's trying to work himself back into the main... Uh, what's the main part of the spy unit called? I can't remember, but I mean, Tower House, I'm saying that. No, it's not Tower House, but it's something like that. He's trying to work his way back. And Kristen Scott Thomas heads up the other part of MI5. And anyway, it's about how everybody in Slough House wants to make their way back into the main part of MI5. But really what it's about is... oh, Actually, I can't even tell you, because if I tell you, I'll give it away. Look, just watch it. I was just about to tell you what happened in it. I was like, no, don't do that. (laughs) And then the twist is... (laughs) I'll stop talking. But basically, I guess it's a show about spies. And there's something about British spies, which I find fascinating. I think I've always loved John le Carré books and Mm. those John le Carré films as well. There's something about it which is kind of both really grey and miserable and tedious but it also is quite sort of mysterious and it kind of balances that thing where these spies are doing stuff that is actually really boring but also they're all trying to make their way back into the exciting bit of MI5 or whatever that is personally for me there's no job I would rather not do can you imagine me in any kind of subterfuge people would be like no I think would you think I'd be any good Maureen, you would be the shittest spy known to humankind. Do you know who I think would be the best spy out of the three of us? Alison. Alison. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I bet you've got a great poker face. Nobody has ever said that to me before, you guys. I'm taking that as a compliment. It's a very low level that you're beating, to be honest. You, me and Jen. I mean, don't get too excited. Two women have got no control of their own emotions. Can you imagine? Could you imagine me trying to be subtle? You'd hear me laughing and walking up the street. They'd be like, there's this woman that's got like crisps in her hair, keeps following me everywhere. <laughs> But maybe that's why it would be the best cover. Everyone would be like, there's no way that one's a spy. That, no. Uh... Also, I'm very shit at keeping secrets. I just... She'd be like, I'm a spy. What spy would say she's a spy? That's your cover, Maureen. Well, I mean, Maureen's of the habit of telling me stuff that I've told her not to tell anyone. Oh, yeah. Do you know, once in Edinburgh, I said to Jen, I've got this gossip, right? But you mustn't tell anyone. I've been told I'm not allowed to tell anyone. And then I told Jen and Jen went... Yeah, I told you that. Um... <laughs> Anyway, watch it. I think the dialogue is really great and it's brilliant writing. Yes, it's a bit far-fetched, but who the hell wants complete naturalism in telly? I like it's it something that's a bit far-fetched. And it's, it's all about spies, for good sake. Alison, talk to me about the horror. Ah, okay, well, this one, this one I love, and it goes in well with our grief uh, theme. So, the movie that I recommend and you can see on Amazon Prime is... A Quiet Place. Oh. Ooh. Now, A Quiet Place is a horror film in which a family live their lives in silence for fear of alien creatures that hunt by sound. They are giant spiders. It is terrifying. I've seen it. 
It's good. I've seen A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place too. Both of them, uh, advocates for both of them. I just went with the first one because it's the first one. The aliens are creepy because I hate spiders. If you hate spiders, this is terrifying. The whole idea of it being noise that they hunt by. Ah, as humans, you realize how bloody noisy we are. And why this goes along with grief so well is amid this constant tense setting is a wounded family still in grief. So this family suffers a loss And it's more of like a statement on human loss and human strength persevering through grief pain. So it actually has a very deep meaning as well as being a ridiculous horror movie with alien creatures chasing you. So I'm a big fan of this one. Look, there's not a lot of blood and gore. So it's not a blood and gore one. There are a lot of jump out moments, Maureen. So I don't know how you do. I don't think it's for me. It's had very good reviews. It's, been... it's directed by John Krasinski, who people will know from The Office. And Emily Blunt plays his wife, who is his wife in real life. Oh, so great. I just love her. I think she's wonderful. She's pregnant. She gives birth during a time when you can't make noise. I know. That's when I was like, no, sorry, but no. That was written by a man. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> not a woman in the world that's going to be giving birth quietly. But anyway, we'll let that go. It's so weird that you should pick this movie out. I'll tell you why. Because this was the first film. And this says a lot about my what I go to in the middle of my grief. I watched these two films back to back literally three days after my mum died. I'm not joking. That is so weird that you picked out that film because I was like, I literally watched that and I found it very cathartic. I really, really did. I always go for anything, you know, if I'm feeling depressed or I feel sad or I feel angry or whatever, I love catharsis more than escapism. Some people like to go and escape. I'm like, no, I'm going to get something that's sort of... Yeah, and... um, yeah, I did. I did enjoy it. And also, it's not gory at all. There's no gore in it. Oh, my God. I'm so happy right now that I chose that. And that because I really was thinking about what horror movies I thought. And that's what I was hoping. I was like, it might be a little hard initially because some stuff happens at the beginning that is very. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Then it's like it's human perseverance. That is why I really and love. loved it. It's, it's yeah. all about love. It's about the love of this family. The beasts on the outside could be anything. It could symbolise a lot of things. You know, it could symbolise a family trying to escape war. It could symbolise a family trying to escape a pandemic or whatever. That animal, that creature is just a metaphor for those trials and tribulations that threaten a family. And the thing that they have above everything else is that they love each other. But I really, really did think it was great. Yeah. And I yeah. could watch Emily Blunt all day. So. Oh, she's so good. The whole she's thing. Great. Yeah. Yes, I nailed it, guys. You yes. did. Absolutely nailed it. We're all coming together. It's serendipitous. There is a connection. There is an energy between the three of us. This is, I mean, look at Maureen's face. She's like, she's tapped out. She's not in it anymore. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much, Alison, for your horror recommendation. And I think it's time for us to head back to Maureen Younger because she has a corner and it hasn't been cultured for such a long time. In fact, it's been quite dry. Maureen, what is your corner? Of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. Well, my culture corner is Book Club, which we had the other day. The next one is on the 29th of June, which is a Wednesday. The last book club, we looked at two books. We looked at The Reader. I'm holding up the German version because I've only got the ver- German version. And Alone in Berlin. 
And I have to apologise to Jen, who came to our show last night, because like, there's two major turning points in this book. And I said to her when we had last book club, I said, oh, there's this major twist. And she came up to me, she went, oh, I've got to the twist. And what I didn't realise was she'd got to the first twist and not the second twist. And I went, oh, and that, that, that happened. She went, oh, no, I haven't got to that point. So <laughs> oh, dear. So I apologise, Jen. To be fair, Jen should have known better. I mean, yeah. she knows you. She more or less went up and said, tell me the end of the book. <laughs> but anyway, Alone in Berlin and The Reader, which are both set in Nazi Germany. Jen's read Alone in the Berlin. It's a fantastic book. It's really claustrophobic. I loved it. I think it loses something a little bit in translation because obviously it's originally written in German. Possibly, yeah. But um, I totally felt like I understood what it was like to live in Germany during the Nazi era because obviously... The atrocities that were committed by the Nazis is beyond our comprehension. But if you were living in that world and you were against the regime, it was a horror show as well. Yeah, yeah. it gives you this idea of what it's like to live in a police state. Like, you can't trust your own children, you can't trust your neighbours, you can't trust anyone. Yeah. it's And no one's safe. I mean, I don't know if we're selling it, but it is a really, really good book. And then The Read is also a, a very good book. And we thought we'd do something a bit lighter because they're two quite heavy-going books. So we've gone for, this month, The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. Yay! I love Richard Osman. And it's meant to be brilliant. So, I mean, I know it's a crime, but it's uh, meant to be quite funny as well. So if you want to join us, Richard Osman, Thursday Murder Club, and then we're going to be talking about that on the 29th of June. So feel free to join us. Do join. I might read that because I'm up for something a little bit light as well. Uh... Hey! Oh, our producer's got it! Alex just popped into our Zoom holding Richard Osman's book like a champion. That was exciting. I mean, it's meant to be really good, and we just thought, you know, after those, I mean, they're very worthy books, but you just thought we just need something a bit lighter. So have a quick read and join us. Oh, not a quick read, have a slow read. It's not until the 29th of June. And join us on the 29th of June. Brilliant! Thank you very much, Maureen Younger, for your cultural corner. We are rolling through things here. We've talked about a lot of things, we've felt a lot of feels, but it wouldn't be the same unless we got to this section. My personal favourite, I know Maureen's favourite, we want to find out, Jen, what the hell's been getting your goat? I don't want to lose my shit over... OK, this is it. Right, let's go and now. I cannot handle this! <laughs> Oh, God, I'll tell you what's been getting me my goat. Competitive men. Oh! Competitive men. Now, I don't know if anyone here in WTB, I'm including the listeners as well as Alison and Maureen, if you swim. Do you swim? I don't know if you swim. Now, I usually swim in the sea. We know that. I love swimming in the sea. That is my preference. I'll tell you why I like swimming in the sea, because there's no one in front of me and there's no one behind me. I am free. I can swim as far as I like. Well, I can't because I'll drown, but I can, to all intents and purposes, swim away. Now, I went to a swimming pool recently because of the way the weather was. It was impossible to swim in the sea and I needed to have a stretch. What an error. Now, I am not pretending that I am an Olympic swimmer, OK, but I have a strong stroke and I'm pretty, pretty fast-ish. Not incredibly fast, but I'm reasonably fast. And... There's always lanes, isn't there? There's a slow lane, there's a medium lane, and there's a fast lane. Now, people in all of these lanes have no fucking idea what these fast, medium, or slow means. They just don't know. There's people in the slow lane that you're like, mate, you should be in medium. There's people in medium who are like, you should probably not even be in a pool. It doesn't look like you can swim. And there's always men in the fast lane. They go, they arrive in the pool, they see fast, they're like, that's me, I'm fast, I'm going to go in a fast lane. 
but they're not fast. Some of them can't swim. Okay. Now I can swim and I can swim quite quickly. And I like to swim at a pace that is fast because I'm in a fast lane. And I want to swim in the time that I have a mile. So I've got to keep the pace up. I can't be like swimming. And there's always men there. If I overtake, they get aggressive. If I swim behind them to to let them know, okay, can you let me go past? They don't let me go past. And it drives me up the wall. Like absolutely makes me go crazy. It's like, you can't swim as fast as I can. I've demonstrated to you. I've lapped you four times. If that had happened to me, I'd be like, oh God, I'm getting in the way here. I'm in the wrong lane. I know what I'll do. I'll move into a different lane. But not these pricks. No, they're like, I'm fast and I'm going to be fast. And at some point I'm going to be faster than you. It's like, you are never going to be faster than me because you're shit at swimming. Okay. You might be great in the gym. You might be able to run way faster than me. Literally anyone can. But in the pool, there's no competition. Get out of their fast lane. One time I said to this guy, I was like, mate, you should not be in the fast lane. You're not fast. He went, how dare you talk to me like that? I said, listen, I'm just going to tell you something. I'm trying to swim. I've got a limited amount of time. This is my exercise. I said, you obviously cannot swim as fast as me. Could you get out of my way? And he was like, I will not get out of the way. I said, fine. I said, I'm going to swim over the top of you. And you can see how much you enjoy that. Anyway, eventually he did get out of the ball and I had a lovely time. (laughs) But my point is, I can't bear it. I used to have this when I used to cycle in London. And I used to do a lot of cycling. And I didn't use the tube when I was commuting. I would cycle everywhere. And you'd get into that thing where you'd get into a slipstream behind somebody. And guys would always try to overtake me. And I'm like, fine, overtake me, because then I'm behind your slipstream. But then inevitably, they'd be like slower than me. So I would find like, oh, God, I've got to overtake you now. And then they'd be like, oh, no, she's overtaken me. Now I have to overtake her. And so all of a sudden, they're in a race that I'm not even in. I'm like, I'm not exerting any more energy, but you look like you're going to have a heart attack. It's like, all I want to say to competitive men is chill out. The competition you're having, we're not having it with you. We're just trying to live our lives. Yeah, just trying to live our lives and fit in a little bit of exercise in our very, very busy schedules. Because guess what? We're juggling a lot of things and you're doing one thing, trying to be a lesbian in a pool. Chill the fuck out. And that's what's got my goat. There we go. Do you know what? This has been very cathartic. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. I'm so glad we're back and we'll be back next Friday, apparently. Yeah, we're back on the regular, everyone. We're not going anywhere. We're here every Friday. Thank you so much for being patient with us, but I'm sure you understand. But we're delighted we're back. We're delighted you're with us. Yeah. Uh, Maureen got something to say? Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm just agreeing. It's just that we can't can't hear the nodding. (laughs) (laughs) Women talking bollocks. If you have enjoyed WTV, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a little review. Or you can check out our socials now on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and you never know, we may even get on TikTok. And if you do like the show, please do have a look at our Patreon for bonus content and weekly treats. Well, that do. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.